Hey, y'all, we want to take a second here to go ahead and give a shout out to our favorite mortgage lender and the official lender of the Hunt Lift Eat podcast. That's Casey Burns. He's a mortgage broker with Prime Lending. I bought my house here in Colorado with Casey and I refinanced the property in Tennessee. And I was going to use Casey for that because I had such a great experience. And Casey told me, hey, man, like I'll be straight up with you. I can't. I can't match this other offer. So go with these other guys. Well, I went with those other guys and I regretted it. It was like a three month process for the refi. When I, when I bought my house here in Colorado, it was the easiest transaction for real estate I've ever had in my life. He handles everything. Like he has the heart of an educator, the heart of a teacher. And that's why we recommend him. I've known him for 10 years. I was best friends with his brother in college. I'm still good friends with Casey to this day. And we, we recommend him because of how good he is. So if you want to utilize Casey, give him a call, find out any information. Give him a shout at 919-710-1864. Or you can also reach him at email at casey.burns at primelending.com. And also go check out his website. Get all of his reviews at www.closewithkc.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt With Eat podcast. I'm your host, Luke. Here's my co-host and cousin, Perry. What's going on, brother? Not much, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, dude, it's been a it's been a hot minute. Um, you weren't able to jump on Tuesday tips this last Tuesday, and then we haven't recorded one in three or four weeks from uh, the baby getting born, which I think was the last one that Dad's tip episode, and we had a couple stashed before it, uh, and then we we missed uh, last week due to me being in the field. So it's good to catch up, get back on. Yeah, for sure, it is good to catch up. How was the uh, how how was the trip in the field? Honestly, man, it was awesome. Uh, it was a little bit different. Usually I don't really worry about home that much, uh, being gone. I just really enjoy it, but I was thinking a little bit more having the, the kid and everything, but, um, yeah, that'll do some, it. yeah, for sure. Got some great training though. We were doing, uh, we shot gunnery, uh, which is where the Bradley crews shoot and then rolled, uh, straight into, uh, platoon sticks and then platoon live fire. So my platoon leaders all got certified. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was like, it was a smoker. I got home on, Sunday, I think. Whatever day I got home, I fucking slept for 16 hours straight. So that's pretty beat. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bet. I saw some of the some of the stuff on your story there. It looked like, looked like a good time. Yeah, it was awesome training. It's, it's really cool uh, just being where I'm at now. Where I'm a little bit more removed. It's just watching the progression and the training as the guys go and they learn more. Guys and gals. Um, but uh, it's, it's definitely rewarding. It's cool to kind of i'm more in like that kind of coach teach mentor role now so it's it's a lot of fun yeah yeah that is cool i've i've uh i was actually just thinking about that how my role has changed with my work recently since we hired our new guy and i've been doing a whole lot of that type stuff as well it's it's interesting to go from kind of you know that transition to go from being the, the bottom guy on the totem pole to then you know kind of working your way up and then actually realizing that you do have those skills you've developed all this stuff you've been doing for you know years of your life at this point that you can actually pass it on and teach it on to someone else yeah definitely sometimes it's like you don't even realize what you know until you get to that uh you know that point where you're watching them do a run or whatever and you're like oh i could do this way better exactly (laughs) let me me teach you something here (laughs) let me show you something that you don't know yeah no it's it's great it's awesome um I've got a great fucking company and great group of get, uh, guys and gals. So it's just, it's a ton of fun. It'd be interesting going forward. Uh, we got 
we're gonna have a lull here where we're just getting ready for like pre-deployment shit and then we'll get ready to roll in the in the spring good deal man well i know this episode we're just going to be doing some listener questions but i know we were just talking before we started recording here that we both had some some updates from our uh or for our upcoming season here which hell season's kicked off in a lot of places um but yeah, we we gave the folks kind of a rundown of, of what all we had planned a few episodes back. But considering we both have a couple of updates on that front, figured we'd let our listeners know what's going on. So you want to kick us off? What's a fill fill everyone in on what you were just talking about? Yeah, so uh, just got word a couple fuck couple days ago about uh, the the Texas camp that I've talked about in the past. I just got invited back down, which is awesome because I hadn't really heard anything. And I was kind of thinking like, maybe I, I fucked that relationship up or something, but it was, it was great to get invited back down. It's a, uh, incredible group of guys, um, all older, uh, former military, most of them soft guys, special operations dudes. And, um, a lot of them own their own like contracting and consulting companies now. And so it's just a, I learned so much every time I go down there and then the, the owner of the the spread Byron is just a awesome man. who's gracious as hell to invite us all down there and let us, you know, kind of have, you know, run of his place and just awesome host. So it's a, it's a great, great experience. And I'm just excited as hell. The hunting honestly is secondary, but it's world-class hunting. Last year I went down there, I had no idea what I was coming into and shot a little eight pointer and quickly realized that I fucked up and should have held out for something probably a little bigger. So uh, I've, I've got, a good understanding of what I'm walking into now. So hopefully uh, hold out for something to get some antlers on the wall. Uh, Cause there's some big old deer down there in that, that Texas timber country. Hell yeah. That, that one that I remember you sent us ended up being kind of a fuzzy, you know, cell phone picture, but it looked like a damn nice deer after you, that one you saw after you shot that, that little eight pointer, <laughs> try to hold out for one of those, something that caliber this year. No, oh, so mad, man. But you know what? Like, I got invited back twice, so I guess I did the right thing by holding off. But, whew, I was really close. I mean, that was so uh, the host, or the not the owner, but the guy who was kind of like hosting us, uh, kind of worked the place a little bit. Um, he's part of the hunt and lease, and he, you know, was super gracious with his time as well, taking care of us, taking us to stands, and trying to get us on animals. But uh, he pulled up after I shot my little eight with i think i sent you the picture of that really really wide eight i mean that thing was prob. i think if i remember correctly it was like a 26 incher uh Damn. maybe 20 23 something like that and it was over 20 inch spread and, and this motherfucker was like yeah that's a cold book because <laughs> he's only eight points <laughs> i was like god dude that'd be a fucking trophy deer anywhere that i've been whitetail hunting no kidding yeah but dude no, did you see speaking of wide deer did you see that picture that evan posted that uh adam shot up yeah, in allegheny man. yeah that's i mean yeah. that's down the river from my freaking farm i was i was talking to Evan yeah. about it i was like dude i fucked up i excuse me i didn't even realize or didn't even think about i can run a little bait site on the north carolina side of my farm stick my oh, yeah. late season feeder out and we I, could, I mean you can't hunt that side but um we can hunt the virginia side that 40 acres that isn't in the lease but I was like, damn, for a late muzzleloader bow spot, I might have to get me one of the barrel feeders and stick that on the North Carolina side when the because I don't think the hunters hunt all the way up through the late muzzleloader. The guys that have the lease. Yeah. Yeah, I've never never thought about that either. Of course, I've always started actually baiting the past couple of years since I've had this property around here. But yeah, that was a nice deer Adam shot. 
just like I say, just down the river from your farm. So that's pretty cool to see a, a buck of that caliber come out of hell, basically our backyard from where we grew up. Well, yeah, that's cool about Texas, man. I'm glad you got invited back. I'll be excited to see how that goes. Yeah, I'm super excited. It lined up perfectly too. I got a four day over Veterans Day, so I'm gonna fly down. Hopefully, fly in a little early, linking with Caleb, either getting to something maybe on his property, or if nothing else, we'll just drink beer and I'll show up hungover to camp like I did last year. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, man. So uh, let us know what uh, what's going on with you. You got that land grant draw or whatever the hell you were involved in. Let's explain that whole kind of the backstory on that, what it is, and and then how it worked out for you. Yeah, so it's a it's a little bit of a unique situation, and um, it's something that I just kind of fell into, but it it just came about for sure since the last time you and I talked. So figured it'd, it'd be something good to kind of run through because hell, there may be other similar opportunities out there for for other listeners. Um, if you just look, maybe it'll find a similar system in place. What it is, it's a land trust program. Um, that's here in North Carolina and it runs as a nonprofit and how it works is they just have various, uh, you know, stakeholders. I think a lot of it's farmers, um, private, you know, private property owners. It's all relatively specific kind of in a, in a core region kind of in centrally located in the Piedmont of North Carolina. Um, and they focus on that area and, they they just have these private landowners enroll their properties in this land trust program. And then they have various mechanisms for protecting those properties, whether it be conservation easements, um, et cetera. And they do, a, they do an awful lot of uh, education and outreach type stuff. Um, they have an archery tournament, uh, which I think I'll definitely, definitely be something I participate in in the future, a 3d archery shoot um, and all sorts of cool programs. But one of the programs that they have is called their Sportsman Access Program. And so, again, I just stumbled onto this land trust and you can join as a member. You can make a donation. Again, it, you know, you can write it off. It's a, it's a nonprofit. And depending on your level of membership, you can get entered to get these lottery draw entries as part of their Sportsman Access Program. And some of the properties that are in this trust the, they've uh, they allow hunting on, and so I just did kind of the entry level base membership, and I got four draw entries, uh, four lottery draw entries for their properties, and I just found out a couple of weeks ago that I ended up drawing two of the four. So I've got two two different hunts in October. They're actually on back to back weeks. Um, they're on separate properties, and the way it works is a couple of these properties, they're decent size. So they, you know, one of them I think is a thousand acres. One of them might be like 1200 or something like that. They break them up into different blocks. And then each particular block is a couple 300 acres. And then if you get a draw, um, if you're successful with your draw, you get a week of access to that block of that property exclusively. So I've got two of those back to back on back to back weeks in October, which I'm, I'm, you know, psyched about it. It's brand new property, something I've never seen. It actually adjoins um, some public property, some game lands. It's right on a big river system. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That's badass, man. That should be a hell of a good time, especially if you can find the time to actually really take advantage of the uh, of the days. Um, have you been doing any sort of e-scouting? Are you able to go early and do any sort of scouting like now? 
what's that look like as far as like your access pretty or is it only through like imagery and onyx so yeah so that was that was one of the first questions i had so the way it works is you get a week you get a sunday through a saturday the sunday is for scouting only so you can go out there that sunday ahead of the week that you get access to it and scout around and then you get to hunt it monday through saturday um when i found out i drew i did ask if i could go out there and get some pre-scouting in they said they were going to get back to us they said a few other people would ask i think this is a relatively new program um so you know it's probably they're still kind of figuring out some of the working out some of the kinks and when you're dealing with private property owners that's it's part of a it's part of a bigger trust like i'm sure there's you know concerns over when people are coming and going and all those sorts of logistics but i have been doing a ton of e-scouting i've i've uh i've got fairly familiar with the properties as a whole and then more specifically the couple of different blocks that i'm going to have access to um so i've been spending a good amount of time going through different aerial imagery getting familiar with the topo some of the different uh you know features that that i expect to see out there um and i'm hopeful maybe i'll get a chance to go out there but um i, I was joking with uh with a guy that I work with, I was like, cause I'm, I'm thinking maybe I might have my camper shell by then. And I was like, shit, the days that Melissa's off that I don't have to be home with the kids. I might just sleep out in my, you know, truck work, work out of the truck, hunt in the morning, come back, work, knock out a couple hours of work, go back, hunt the evenings. And, you know, I'm not gonna be able to hunt the entire week or two weeks that I have access to those two properties, but I'm going to try to take advantage of it as much as I can. That's a hundred percent what you should do, man. I mean, yep. I lived out in Wyoming, camper shell. Um, I'm actually really frustrated right now because I can't find one for the my fucking truck that's uh, in stock. They were all like three, four months away, and like the one I want is back ordered. So I was like, I'll just kind of find a used one for cheap, and then you know swap out later. But I, I can't find anything. It fucking pissed yep. me off. I'm be like stretching a tarp across my bed of my truck and doing something. I don't know. If I get the Tacoma running, I might just drive it back up to Wyoming and live out of it. But well, it's, I, it's nice, man. It, especially with the, I mean, it's not as bad in North Carolina, but with the wind, like having hard structure around you is nice. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I ordered mine months ago, and it's still not not here yet. Hoping to have it well ahead of hunting season. Um, and of course, you know everything's just so backed up right now. So we'll see. I'm I'm hopeful that might happen. It's only a month out, so if it doesn't, then I'll just end up driving back and forth which is no big deal they're not these properties aren't that far from my house it's a little bit of a drive but Dude, it's manageable pitch a tent or yeah do the old nice. u-haul special yeah yeah i'd honestly just pitch a tent i mean actually yeah anyway we'll, we'll have to see how that works out but i'm excited man this is it's one of those things where it just kind of fell into my lap it's a really unique situation but on the other hand there might be those types of deals out there for people it's not again it's you know th these these options exist and so just do your diligence and you never know what you might find that's a great point so a lot of these uh different organizations even like the big national ones rocky mountain uh, elk uh wild sheep like all these there's raffles and draws they have within uh the organization that are better draw odds than what you would have on going for one of these higher, uh, higher draw hunts, um, or higher, uh, what word am I looking for? Like, uh, fuck. 
more demand. Jesus Christ, higher demand hunts. It's been a it's been a long couple of weeks, a uh, long couple of weeks. All right, yeah. So one of the higher demand hunts, you can get better draws through some of these private organizations. That's something I just realized uh, recently, and um, I didn't really put in for anything this year. And then next year, I'm going to be gone in Europe. But the next year, I really plan on starting to take advantage of memberships to some of these other organizations. And so I think like some of your local stuff, there's different things you can do and different opportunities you can pursue that I don't think a lot of people take advantage of. So I highly suggest plugging into that kind of thing, just like Perry did, because I mean, it clearly paid off. He's got access to two properties uh, that he wouldn't otherwise, and it's, it's pretty badass. Yeah, it's exclusive access for a week on each of these properties. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. And and again, it is a local deal. And you, I mean, those big organizations, they have they have those types of, of, uh, of giveaways and draws all the time. But man, there's a ton of local organizations out there at state and, and local levels that people can join various conservation minded groups, um, you know, hunter advocacy groups. And it's something that to your point, I haven't really done in the past as well. It's not something that I've been that plugged into, but I certainly plan to, especially after seeing how it did pay off this year so quickly. And I'm, I'm going to dive, you know, head first into this next year with this, with this group and then look around and see if I can find others because you know, why not? You're, 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 you know, it's a, it's a win-win. You're supporting these local groups that are out there trying to, you know, make a difference with this one, protecting properties that have, you know, ecological and, and um, other benefits to the, to the region. And uh, you never know where it might, might lead in terms of new opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the two new hunts we've got on the horizon. Um, I potentially I'm going to grab an OTC elk tag uh, for fourth rifle here in Colorado, depending on what our Thanksgiving plans are. We're just trying to figure all that out with the baby. Uh, we had talked a little bit about maybe trying to go back to Alaska, uh, try to hunt late season caribou and punch that black bear tag I still have, or go to Virginia, do the whitetail rut, see the family for the Thanksgiving and all that, or I think we might just end up staying home. And if we stay home and I've got, you know, a week of leave, you know me, I'm going to get restless. So I'm going to grab a OTC tag and head up to some, uh, some land I hit up last year, uh, which I think is better for late season. So fourth rifle should be pretty good. It's pretty rugged. It's where I went in and uh, by myself solo and decided it was too, too crazy for me. I'm going to have to back out because if I killed something, it would take a while. But if I have a full week, I wouldn't mind just running shuttle if I had to for the, the, uh, the pack out. So that's, that's the only real change to my hunting. Do you have anything else? I mean, I think the next thing we've got is mine and yours. Uh, antelope hunt will be the first hunt of the season for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Hell that's just around the corner at this point. I may try to get out to my property here, um, for some, for an archery hunt before that, but just depending on work, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got. Dude, I've got the itch so fucking bad right now. It's yep. unbelievable. Uh, one yep. of my squad leaders has been in my company has been hunting uh, the same unit we're going to be hunting. He's been hunting archery, and he, he's been in fucking antelope every single day. He's getting his ass kicked on the stalks. Hopefully, us having a muzzleloader with that extra 40, 50 yards of range is going to give us a leg up and we can punch some tags. But I'm stoked, man. I, I just absolutely cannot wait. Um I'm like losing my, I'm like a kid at Christmas, dude. I'm just like fucking ready to go. Yeah. I jumped up a really nice buck on one of my sites this morning, working, pushing through there and this thick stuff. And we jumped this buck up out of his bed. And I mean, he was, he was nice. 
real nice. And I was just like, holy shit, you see those antlers. He was hard horned. And I was like, golly, I wish I was in a tree right now. Fucking Dude, you pumped. Need to, you need to be turning uh, your job into access more. I, I've been I've been actually thinking about that a lot more. And I've, I've tried on a couple of different properties um, this year, actually. And one of them I thought actually might have good potential. And it would have been sweet because it's like 15 minutes from my house or 20 minutes from my house. But it turned out someone else hunted it. But uh, yeah, that's something I've been thinking about a lot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put be pushing on that. Well, shit, man. Let's uh, let's jump straight into the, some of these questions that we have lined up for today. Um, yeah, so, sounds good. Uh, I'll ask and answer this first one because it's probably the most common question I get habitually. Um, I'm, I get it at least three or four times a week, and it's about HLE sponsorships and about joining the like an ambassador program. Um, so the sponsorships has really picked up since the NCAA has lifted the band on sponsorships for college athletes. So I have a bunch of college athletes, you know, reaching out, which is fine. Uh, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that they want to be affiliated with HLE and be a part of us. But, uh, to be frank, uh, we're not in a position, nor do I really want to just offer sponsorships. Um, every team member is a team member for a reason. Uh, there's somebody one I either came up with, we've been hunting together. we, grew up together. We are good friends. I, I know these people like very, very well. Or there are people I met through, maybe I met them through social media, but it was a long vetting process of me kind of getting to know them through social media. And then since then I've met them in person, most of them. And uh, the common denominator is usually I, there's only, I think the only person that asked me that I considered was Garrett. And then I uh, kind of we followed each other for a while and I got to know him through Instagram and then I ended up bringing him on, but everybody else is somebody that I've approached. Um, it's not to say you shouldn't approach like I will, but like it, it rings a little hollow. If you're somebody who's never purchased anything, never really supported the company in any sort of way, and then ask for a fucking sponsorship or free gear. Cause you want to promote us. Um, that's just not something that is I'm really interested in. Like I said, I appreciate the support, but, uh, like, I offered like going after Caleb because Caleb literally has and since then still as a team member, he doesn't use his discount. He's purchased every single fucking product you've ever released almost like it's, it's unbelievable. So like it's people that support what we're trying to build and buy into the company or who I'm kind of targeting um, for like, you know, and, and nobody, I mean, fuck Perry, you, you get a discount, but you still pay for your shit, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, no, that's, I was, I'm glad you mentioned Caitlin. Cause I remember we had that conversation. We were down there in Florida. I think we were talking about dudes reaching out and, you know, again, I'm with you. Like I can see how that, you know, why not? What do you have to lose? But like in Caleb's instance and, and with most of, you know, all of the team members, really, it's like, say it's guys that have been, been supportive. They've shown an interest in, in the brand and, you know, what, what we're all about and then there's you know again like i said kind of there's been a vetting process i mean a lot of the guys we've had on the podcast we've talked with them you know i know you've hunted with a lot of the guys or at least some of the guys in person i'm thinking of carter you know in wyoming so yeah it just put your money where your mouth is you know develop a develop an actual relationship um support us you know, make it known. And if, and if it's something that you take seriously, you know, take it from there. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, and that's, you know, the sponsorship thing. Like 
I send the team members, they, you know, usually I try to get them like a Christmas gift or like whatever. But the, the fact of the matter is that we're still a really small company. If I gave free shit away all the time, we wouldn't be where we're at. Like we're growing because like I pay for my shit. Like I'm the fucking owner. Like I don't take any money out of this company. Like I put money into it. And so for us to continue to grow um, and continue to do the things we want to do, like it's just where we're at. So I do appreciate the fact that people want to be affiliated with us, but as far as a sponsorship goes, it's just not, uh, it's not feasible in order to something I really want to pursue. And I'm not sure I'll ever pursue it unless I have a prior relationship. I mean, sure. If, uh, you know, Conor McGregor was like, Hey, will you sponsor me? Like, dude, I'll send you all the free t-shirts you fucking want. Uh, but you know, and this isn't to look down on anybody, but if you're a freshman punter for the fucking, you know, a D three school, like, I'm sorry, bud. Like <laughs> there's not a whole lot of return for what I would be giving you as, even if it's just a couple hundred dollars for the merch, but that's uh, just the, the most honest way I can put that. But as far as an ambassadorship, so I hate traditional ambassadorships. I was an ambassador for a lot of companies coming up through Instagram. That's actually why I decided to launch. Well, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why I decided to watch launch HLE uh, is because I got tired of like doing shit for other companies and I don't want that. So I want to be able to provide value to the people that are affiliated with us. So we are going to open up a new program uh, that's probably different than what most companies do. Uh, it's not going to be the team, like the team members will be the team members, but this will be a really good vetting process for like the guys that kind of rise to the top to actually become a full, full uh, fledged team member. Um, but that's in the works. It's really just a product of time right now. I'm not exactly sure when it's going to happen, but you know, it, it's in the future. It's kind of like the recipes though. We finally have the recipes up. Thanks Carter. Appreciate you, bud. Hey, I did the first one. Uh, okay. <laughs> The day that this posts, there will be another one up from Carter. So there'll be two recipes on the website. Nice. Yeah, man. So uh, that'll be good. Uh, but here, let me grab a question for you. Uh, tips on growing your own food. Oh, the great question. Resident HLE, uh, you know, gardener here, because uh, my garden failed miserably this year. But I, I do think this is a very pertinent question. COVID kind of woke up a lot of folks' minds to the uh, self-sustainability, at least to augment your nutrition, plus the idea of knowing the process, uh, where your food comes from. And then also just in general, I think it's there's something very rewarding about providing the food. And I think that's a mindset that a lot of hunters have because we, we want to provide the meat. So if we can provide the vegetables and fruits and everything else, it's, it's also really nice. So why don't you touch on your thoughts and kind of your practices on that? Kind of like, you know, obviously broad strokes. We could do a whole podcast on gardening. Yeah, so I, it's something we've talked about ad nauseum that we believe in is knowing where your food comes from. I, it sucks in one respect that it took something like COVID to awaken people to kind of have that mindset. But on the other hand, I'm really glad that happened for a lot of people out there. So, I, you know, I was raised, I, we always had a garden growing up. Um, I was raised working in the garden, um, something that my mom always loved to do. And, you know, just growing, growing vegetables, growing um, pretty much, you know, whatever we could was something that I was a part of. I would say my first, my first real big um, point or, or message to anyone out there that doesn't have experience with growing your own food is it, it could be intimidating, um, but it doesn't have to be. You can start really simple and you don't really need that much space. You don't need a whole bunch of complicated equipment. Like you can really get started with pretty much bare bones. Um, just have a, you know, have a desire to go get your hands dirty, literally go, go play in the dirt. Um, 
you know, if you can use a hoe, a shovel, break up a little ground, you can build a, you know, a little simple raised bed. You can buy containers. There's plenty of people that do container gardens on patios or porches. I've seen people do um, container gardens, you know, from an apartment balcony. Um, you can get creative and you can utilize the space that you have. And with just a little bit of, you know, investment in whatever makes sense for that space, whether it be containers, whether it be raised beds, whether it be, you know, some, some tools or implements to actually work the soil. If you have a little bit bigger area to, to, to maneuver, um, just get started. There's, there's some vegetables out there in particular that are easier to grow. Um, so now, you know, it's, it's September 14th. As we record this, I just spread a whole bunch of, uh, of new seed and my raised beds, um, for fall time, a bunch of, you know, kind of fall leafy greens, um, lettuce, spinach, kale, um, turnips, um, beets, uh, you can do, um, like snow peas or winter peas. All those things are good fall, fall, uh, crops because they can handle the cooler temperatures. They actually do well in the cooler temperatures. Um, so, and if you're in the South, like I am, or, you know, like Carter is, I know Carter's a big garden. You've got a long growing season. I know hell when we had our, our garden in Charlotte, we used to, we used to harvest stuff well into November, um, out of that garden. So, you know, there's, there's things you can do that are relatively simple. Those greens, some of those fall, um, fall vegetables that I just mentioned are pretty easy to grow. Get yourself a little, you know, a little bed, you know, have some good dirt, um, spread it out, you know, get it and get it established. And it's pretty, you know, pretty much take care of itself. Yeah. And if you're in a, you know, position where you don't feel like you can actually put in a garden, whether it's cause you're in a neighborhood or an apartment or whatever, even something as small as an herb garden is great to do. And it's a great way to get your feet wet. Um, and just have those fresh herbs on hand, you know, grow your cilantro, your thyme, your, uh, rosemary, rosemary Carter, <laughs> you know, you gotta have the rosemary, um, you know, whatever it is, you just, you know, oregano, basil, whatever you like, you can grow mint, mint will grow like a weed literally because it is, but like anything, uh, it's a great way to start. And then from there you can, you can go, um, raise beds. I do. I live in a lot of neighborhoods cause I'm still army. So I move around all the time and I use galvanized troughs. Uh, some of you that follow me on Instagram probably saw the stories and then I just, they're, it's not a cost effective way, but it's good for moving cause they'll last and they get beat up. They're really fucking expensive, but, um, drill holes in the bottom for drainage. And then I fill those up and, and grow my garden in that. So you have a ton of different options. Look on different, I mean, uh, Google it, Google like your scenario plus gardening and you're going to find so much information, but it's awesome. I love having a garden. Um, I make, I make mistakes every single year. It seems like every time I move, there's a learning curve for like how to grow where I am. It takes me at least one season to like unfuck myself to actually get like a good crop, but it's a, it's a ton of fun. I love it. Yeah, there's, you know, there's some that are, that are a little bit more, you know, so, like I love tomatoes. I love growing tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers, you know, making pickles, doing all that type of stuff, canning. Um, some of those are a little bit more, you know, on the difficulty scale. Um, still not that bad, but if, if you're getting used to a new climb, I can see how that might be, you know, you have to kind of learn the ropes there. And if it's something you're just getting into, but I like your point about the herbs. Um, or a lot of your herbs are relatively easy to grow. You don't need much space. It's a great way to, to, you know, spice up your cooking too. Literally it's just with the addition of some fresh herbs, um, experiment with that. It can really take some of those dishes to the next level. And, um, another, th- another tip that I would say for someone just starting out is, 
is start a start a compost. Uh, again, you don't have to have a real complicated system. There's kits, you know, composting kits and various systems you can buy out there, or you can just kind of, you know, dedicate a little portion of your yard and just start composting, start throwing out everything, your coffee filters, or excuse me, your coffee grounds, um, all your, you know, vegetable fruit scraps, everything, and then use that compost to start amending your soil in your raised beds or in your containers or, you know, whether it's just in the ground spreading it out. Um, it's a real simple, you know, easy, easy trick that's going to benefit you in the long run. So it doesn't have to be that complicated. Start simple. Uh, there's a ton of resources out there online. You know, you don't have to have to listen to us for that, but uh, yeah, I'd highly encourage anyone that's interested to get after it. Great points there. Um, let's roll into the next one. So this one's best bang for your buck for a storage freezer. Um, I don't, Honestly, I can't talk intelligently on brands for like the best money for freezers, but I can talk my setup and what I have. And then I, I pair, you can do the same. Um, so I've got two, I've got a big deep freeze. I don't even know how big it is, but it's a chest freezer. It's, it's pretty fucking big. I got the, actually got that from uh, my father-in-law when he was moving, he had it to get rid of. So he gave it to me and then I bought an upright freezer. And so how I run my two freezers is my upright is what I eat out of. And then the uh, chest freezer is storage. And then whatever I have in my upstairs freezer, like off the fridge is like what I'm eating, like either that week or that month or whatever. Uh, and it's a pretty good system. And so that way it keeps me honest for like where meat goes. So like, I don't really worry about the organization in the chest freezer because I just kill things, butcher it, seal it, and it goes in the freezer. Uh, but then every year when I'm resetting, um, I take all the meat that's in my upright freezer and I front load all the oldest meat and then make sure I'm eating it in like a timely manner because the problem with just the chest freezer because I had that one first is like inevitably you always found like you know that you know pack of back straps that was from you know 2018 and you know you're like fuck and you're like well I'm not throwing this away so we're just gonna eat some freezer burn ass meat and so if every year you're resetting and like reorganizing your freezer to put the oldest stuff front it's a lot easier to, to manage it and keep up with it. So I really like running a chest freezer and an upright freezer. And we actually might get a, another freezer at some point because we're, we're starting to fill them both up, which is a good problem to have. It is a good problem to have. It's something I was actually talking with Evan about the other day when we were talking about our uh, our Idaho hunt. And then if we were successful in Colorado, and then, you know, hopefully as many, I'm trying to kill a few whitetail this year, obviously. So, um, I might end up buying another freezer as well this year. If I do, I'm definitely buying an upright. I have a chest freezer, similar kind of deal. Uh, I actually got it from our uncle Lance. Um, he, it's kind of, it's just, you know, kind of a regular uh, midsize. It's not one of the real big chest freezers. Um, kind of run of the mill, you know, something, I don't remember the brand Maytag or I don't know, something that you would find at Lowe's. Um, they're not that expensive. I mean, they're really not to buy one new, um, especially if you're not getting like a huge commercial sized one, they're relatively affordable. Um, and then I just have, I have our, you know, our standard top freezer in our refrigerator in the kitchen. And then we got a, uh, an extra refrigerator with the freezer. It's the, it's got the, the vertical, uh, refrigerator and freezer that are side by side that I have in my garage. So I kind of use that as well for overflow and I do a similar kind of thing where those those chest freezer can be hard to keep organized. Um, my wife probably hates it because every year about this time of the year, I tell her to stop buying anything frozen. And we're going to start, you know, going through all the frozen stuff we have 
trying to clean out, make space for, for the upcoming season. And then every single year without fail, the first deer or two that I kill that I put in the freezer, I take everything out of the chest freezer and make sure that that newest meat goes in the very bottom. And it's a good way to get an inventory of what you have. Like you say, that old, that old package of sausage or, or whatever that's down there at the bottom that got, got hidden that you forgot was there. Um, cause those chest freezers do get a little bit hard to keep organized. So. Yeah, I would definitely suggest. And I think you, you'll end up getting it is the upright just makes it so much fucking easier. Um, I'm running into a problem now because when Caroline was pregnant, like a lot of pregnant women, like she had a bit of a meat aversion, uh, which killed, killed the amount of meat uh, we ate last year. Because, I mean, I would, I still cooked a lot about just for myself. I said, fuck it. But it was not near what we usually go through. And I killed a lot of fucking animals last year. So I haven't touched anything from last season. I'm still eating on 2019. And I've still got the upright freezer damn near full. So we're going to be in a problem. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I wasn't like trying to like definitely go after elk this year. So I kill one elk. I got to buy a new freezer immediately. So I'll fill that chest freezer up and I'll be fucked for all of my other hunts. Uh, once again, I'm speaking from a position of privilege because it's a good problem to have, but like, fuck. Yeah. It's bad enough. I'm going to start, <clears throat> I think for a Wyoming camp this year, I'm going to bring a bunch of meat up just from the, uh, from the freezer just to cook up for everybody in camp. And then, might even fly some out for bow camp and everything else. We can just eat on that uh, before we kill anything because I, I just don't know what to do with it all. Well, I'll bring my appetite when I come out in a few days. We'll do our, do our damnedest to put a put a hurting on some of it. Bring them stretchy britches. Yeah, for sure. Of course, the other thing is you got to consider, and I don't know, you know how it's going so far, but, dude, if Caroline produces like Melissa did with the milk, you'll start – chewing up some freezer space with breast milk man i do we my chest freezer was devoted to breast milk for a couple years there basically well that's why we're talking i want to i'm probably going to buy another chest freezer that's smaller that'll be just breast milk for now yeah uh, because we're already filling up the uh upstairs freezer yep. because I, I try to keep the two downstairs freezers in the basement like just for meat because i don't i don't want anything else in there because just fill them up so fast Yep. Yeah, well, let's roll into the next question, man. Uh, the only reason I can even talk about this intelligently is because uh, I did it my, all myself this year. But uh, it's about our arrow setup. So, do you know like what you're running as far as grains and all that, or are you still kind of at the mercy of the uh, the the pro shops for for all that shit? Yeah, I don't remember what my total arrow weight is. My, so my arrow is actually a pretty light arrow. I've I've run. I have the Victory um vap or vap i think it's the i can't remember top of my head if i guess i'll probably screw it up but uh it's it's a it's a pretty small light um light arrow um it's fast you know but i'm probably gonna switch over to something a little heavier next year i don't know i want it's something i want to talk to you about and we can talk about it more when we get out there and i see your setup whether i try to rebuild these arrows and make them these areas excuse me these arrows heavier or just um, get some new heavier arrows. But, yeah, it's the, it's the Victory Vap. Uh, I, I run a standard um, fixed blade broadhead. It's the uh, – ah, shit, I just blanked on it. You're running slick, slick Tricks, right? <laughs> yeah, Slick Tricks, yep. The old, old standby Slick Trick. Um, so nothing fancy there. Um, I did a little bit – did enough due diligence and talked to enough people when I was first starting out between, you know, fixed blades or mechanicals and just decided to go with fix. Um, 
So yeah, that's it's a pretty basic setup, pretty lightweight, but that's what I got. But you just built yours, so yeah. Um, this is my first season building them. Before that, I had just been kind of running, kind of whatever the pro shops suggested or told me. Didn't understand it at all, and I'm still a huge amateur when it comes to archery. Uh, I'm only a couple years ahead of Perry, a few years ahead of Evan. Um, John's a few years ahead of me, but which hopefully we're going to have him on in October. Yeah, get him over his fear of podcasting, which is weird because when you're in person, you can't shut that motherfucker up. Uh, yeah. But we've – John kind of got me turned on to uh, Ranch Ferry, and then I listened to a lot of Aaron Snyder. So everything that I'm going to say is a regurgitation from these guys. So, like, do not take – I just want to be very transparent about this. Like, do not take what we talk about with archery – as like gospel because we're just learning. So there's better authorities out there. But what I realized, and as I got to learn more is a heavier arrow, one, it's quieter uh, Two, it's the kinetic energy that it's going to bring to the target is significantly better. What I realized this year is as I'm hunting a, in a variety of big game, which I'm not this year going to hunt elk with a bow, but I probably will going forward um, is that I, I want, I do want a little more kinetic and energy and I want, it to be more forgiving because when you're running these lighter arrows that are faster, one, they're louder and two, they don't have near the, uh, the, the power, uh, moving into target. So if you hit a scapula and like, sure, like everybody says shot placement, shot placement, shot placement. Sure. In a perfect world, that's awesome. White tails, jump strings, a lot of animals, jump strings. So having a little bit of more forgiving setup is what I wanted to go for. And I wanted penetration over really anything else. And so that's why I built these arrows. So I've got a thinner arrow, and the reason I went with the thinner arrows, it, it the uh, basically the wind impacts it less. So I went with the Black Eagle X impacts. Um, I can't tell you my length; I don't really remember. And I, the grains per per inch, I think, is right at nine. Um, but I'm running the 250 spine, so it's a stiffer arrow. And I'm doing that because my overall arrow weight's at a 589 grain, so it's a heavier arrow. So I've got. 300 grains up front, so it's got a fairly heavy FOC, which is your your front of center for your weight. I've got 100 grains in components. That's an insert and an outsert. And then I've got a 200-grain broadhead. I'm running the Iron Wheel uh, broadheads, which are pretty pricey. It's a cut on contact, uh, very high-quality uh, broadhead. I'm running four flex. Single bevel or... I'm running I'm running the dual, be- the, uh, dual bevel, so not the single bevel. Double they bevel. make a single bevel. Yeah, there's there's some pros and cons to each. Um, we won't unpack all those. The single bevel, one, they're easier to sharpen. And then two, they're supposed to bleed better. But I feel like it's fairly negligible based on what I was reading. Uh, I think I'm going to do the dual or double bevel this year. And then next year I may switch or at least test the single bevel and get, kind of just see and play. But this year I just wanted to go with the, the uh, double bevel. Um, for my fletchings, I'm running a four fletch with the silent night fletchings. And then I've got a nocturnal lighted knock, um, which is actually fairly heavy on the back. It was harder than I thought to get the heavier FOC, um, as far as your percentages go because of that fact that I'm running that four fletch and the, the nocturnal, but I've really enjoyed and liked how the arrow shoots. Um, like if I don't have a target behind it, I'll blow through damn near clean through uh, my black hole uh, target. So the penetration seems to be awesome. So I'm really excited to test it out this year. 
Yeah, that's cool, man. How, um, what, uh, what distance have you been, have you stretched it out to? Like, what's the furthest you've shot so far? Well, well, I'm very behind. Uh, 20s as far as I've gone this year with this gotcha. new setup. And so 30 is going to be my, probably my limit. Actually, no, I went to 30 a couple of times uh, with my, because I've got the, so I'm zero. I'm running, I, I changed my entire setup this year. Um, new strings, um, new site, new stabilizer. Like it's the same bow, but it's basically brand new. So the new site, I went with the uh, Spot Hog Fast Eddie XL dual pin. So you've got the two pins. So you can just off the two pins, you've got uh, 20 and 30, but then you've also got the adjustable site. And I figured that would be the perfect um, kind of balance from hunting in the east with whitetails where you want those quick pins, but then also in the west where you're taking further shots. Uh, just with the schedule, the baby, everything else going on, I've only got – I've got the 20-yard zeroed. This weekend, I'm going to go ahead and get the – so the way you've got to do it, you shoot it at 20 and then at 60, and you find the tape you want. And so I'm going to shoot it out to 60 and get it, that, all that set up um, this weekend. And then I'm going to shoot as much as I've been shooting, which is damn near every day. I shoot in my garage, which is pretty nice. I've got a long garage, so I can have a little indoor uh, range. Uh but I'm going to shoot every day up until I go to Virginia for my first archery hunt. I'm only archery hunting uh, whitetails this year. And that's pretty uh, calculated because I just don't have a lot of experience with the setup. So going forward, I'll start looking at hunting some other game. Yeah. I really hope you, you stick one while I'm up there. I, I want to see how those, uh, those broadheads do. Cause I've strongly considered switching to a similar style broadhead uh, for next year and going forward. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Iron wheels are just from all, everything I've read are just uh, one of the top end. I mean, you're paying top end prices. So I understood that's not in everybody's budget, uh, but I just wanted something that's going to last. I'm kind of tired of the disposable kind of products and the disposable mindset with a lot of that shit is every uh, deer I've killed. I, um, I killed my first one with an expandable and it was fucking trashed afterwards. And then I killed my second one with a fixed it was a wasp um yeah. dr- i think it was the drone and like it was fucked too and like you can replace the you know blades the razor blades or whatever but it's just i just i don't know i just like the idea of something that's solid that i'm gonna be able to resharpen use time time and time again and you can just feel like the weight and then the the quality of the build and so i just want to try to buy something once hopefully i don't fucking lose them but yeah my damn arrow setup right now is insane if i lose an arrow it's like 50 fucking dollars but yeah, I lost one the other day. I was pissed. And I, I mean, I'm mine are probably just twenty, twenty five bucks, but still, I fucking lost one the other day. Pulled a shot terribly, just absolutely, totally fucked it. And I was like, "Son of a bitch." Well, cool. Yeah, what's what's next? So, keeping with the uh, the bow hunting theme, uh, what are some spe- uh, excuse me specific ways you train for bow hunting? Yeah, I'm probably not the best person to to answer this question, but um, I think the first thing I would say is shoot your bow. Um, Shoot your bow early and often. Uh, Don't wait until, you know, a month before season to start shooting. Uh, You really should shoot it all year. Um, I didn't shoot my bow as much as I should have uh, late winter after hunting season and spring, but I still broke it out occasionally and get a few reps in and then you just start to kind of you know as training anything slowly build i mean for me personally i don't do 
do that much, but I've got a I've got a pull up bar in the backyard. A lot of times, what I like to do is uh, do a set of pull ups and then go shoot for a while, and then go do another set of pull ups and then go shoot and kind of do it that way. I've done been doing that some this year since I've had that, which is kind of nice. Um, I don't know that that specifically helps the the bow, but um, you're at least getting some muscle fatigue as you're shooting, um, which I feel like is probably hopefully somewhat beneficial. Um, I know you and I have talked about the resistance bands before. I've just haven't gotten them and haven't used them, but uh, I think you have. Yeah, this is actually ties perfectly into another uh, question. That was what workout techniques to increase your draw weight. Um, so as far as training goes, just shooting a lot. Um, even if you're shooting at short distances, I think a lot of people feel like they have to uh, kind of take the target out and shoot at all these crazy distances. I shoot 10 to 20 yards every single day somewhere between, I don't know, five to 30 to 40 arrows, depending on the day and how much time I have. But I try to shoot every day. Uh, it just c- continues to build that muscle memory. Um, and then as far as developing those muscle groups, I really like the, the resistance bands. I've talked about it on previous podcasts. But uh, you can order them for 20 to 30 bucks on Amazon and get you uh, these bands. You don't have to buy any fancy equipment or buy these gimmicky type things. Like, I mean, I'll just Acubo. I mean, sure. Does it work? Probably. But the amount of money you're spending, I think you'd be better off just shooting your bow and then grabbing a $20 band. Uh, look at doing pull aparts at different angles. So if you don't know what a pull apart is just YouTube it and watch it. But essentially it's just what you think. You're kind of locking your scapula in, and then you're just pulling the band apart. Um, really develop like working the muscles uh, in your upper back. And then face pulls as well. So throw you can uh, attach the band to a pull-up bar or to a post or to like a pillar on your front porch or back porch or something. And then just you're pulling the band uh, to your face. Watch a video and like figure out the the actual form to how to engage which muscle groups as you're doing these. But if you do those, like you're going to develop those muscles a lot more. And then uh, the good thing about those is it's a balanced approach to the muscle development because – Anything you do that's very, very sport-specific, so think like tennis players or pitchers or guys that shoot a lot of archery, is you're developing a, a muscle imbalance by continuing that repetition where you're doing one side dominant. And so like I'm left-handed, and so if I'm drawing with that left hand and that's all I'm doing, I'm going to overdevelop my left side and my left, my, my rear delt. Um, like, like all of that is going to be overdeveloped to my right. And so if I do some... Uh, unilateral movements that that are targeting both muscle or both sides then it's going to be far more beneficial in the long run so uh, as far as like the specific ways to train those are great you can also do those on cable machines uh, if you go to a gym that has that has cables so but yeah i mean as far as just like training for our trade just shooting um and then we've talked about it in the past two periods once the season starts and you, you don't have as much time plus you're focused on the woods i really like the single arrow approach which is, and it kind of like puts the pressure on like it's an actual hunting situation as you grab that single arrow and you're going to just take one shot. You can do it in like sitting, standing, different ways, uh, awkward angle to simulate like a tree stand. And then you just take that one shot and then you got to make sure that one counts. And it just really like forces you to like really, really dial yourself in. Cause I know a lot of times if you know you're going to shoot 10, 15 arrows, you're just going to go up there and like your first three or four may not be, uh, great as you kind of like tighten up and so if you know that this one has to be great uh really hitting that method has worked well for me in the past yeah i'm glad you mentioned that i was actually 
just thinking about that. Um, it's something that, that you told me to do last year and I did it. What I would try to do typically kind of like what my routine was was during the week uh, while I was working is I would just, you know, make a, make a trip out to the backyard, grab one arrow um, before work, before I leave out, like you say, do a standard shot or put yourself in some sort of funky position, um, really focus on your form, focus on, you know, a nice, smooth, consistent draw, making sure you're, you're anchored properly and really, you know, put the effort into trying to put that arrow exactly where you want it. And then it just keeps you sharp and it keeps you feeling confident. Um, and the only other thing I would add is, you know, we mentioned shooting, shoot a lot. Don't neglect shooting from whatever uh, hunting situation you plan on implementing, um, whether it's a saddle or a tree stand or what have you. Shoot shoot at height, climb in your saddle, get up in your stand, uh, make sure you're comfortable there with your angle, depending on how high you're hunting, et cetera, uh, the different positions you could find yourself in. You don't want to be sitting there on opening morning and, and have something to walk out and be in an uncomfortable position that does not resemble anything like what you were doing in the backyard and not be able to uh, seal the deal. Yeah, that's, that's solid stuff. And like, I think while we're fairly new in the bow hunting world, we, you know, we grew up rifle hunting, the vast majority of the animals we've killed have been with rifle. All those same things can be applied to rifle hunting as well. And they're not as much. I think bow hunters do a better job of preparation than rifle hunters. Uh, we tend to kind of, um, see, we, I'm going to hunt with whatever I can, but with a rifle, you, you tend to kind of take for granted that the rifle, you know, is going to do the work and, you know, you shoot your three rounds into the center of the pie plate and you say you're on and you're ready to go hunt. And in reality, you really should get that repetition and it's hard right now. I mean, ammunition's hard to find, but shooting, I mean, multiple distances knowing your dope knowing what your drop is at each distance know if you're if you're running like a bdc reticle like where are you aiming like all that kind of stuff like you, you've got to do that through repetition and then not just shooting with like a lead sled or on a bench like lay in the prone can you shoot in the prone offhand can you shoot kneeling offhand can you shoot propped up against the tree can you shoot propped up against your rock can you you know can you do these different positions and do them with consistency through repetition like that's that's key and i think it's something that we don't do enough of um and i know i know a lot of folks don't do enough of and if you know my antelope hunt last year was any any indication there's a shitload of hunters near uh, fort carson that don't do enough of it yeah absolutely it it definitely does not just apply to bow hunting. I, I, I've been guilty of that myself. Um, hell, I did that this past weekend. I took my rifle up, shot four rounds, uh, four, well, maybe five, three, two or three at 100, made sure my zero was good, one at 200, one at 300. Everything was solid, put it away, you know, ready to go. But um, it's one of those things you should definitely make it a priority practice I think with archery, the thing about it is for me, well, one, it's been so novel, but two, there's such a, such a small margin for error. It's like, there's so many, there's so many things that come into play with a bow that, um, that's just like, man, you gotta, you gotta really force yourself to, to do everything you can to, to eliminate the, the potential failure points. No, it's true. I mean, it is, well, I don't know that it's harder, um, I think that's kind of a misnomer too, is that rifle hunting is easy because it's not. I've eaten plenty of rifle tags. I've had plenty of, you know, 
days and weekends back home at our family farm with a rifle that I didn't punch a tag. Uh, but it is different. And bow hunting is probably, you know, definitely harder because you got to get closer. You got to, there's more things going against you because uh, you're in that much, you, the range is that much shorter. Uh, but it's, you got to train for all of it because it does matter. And I'm like, you know, speaking of like you shooting, like, <clears throat> you know, you, you shoot your few rounds at a hundred confirmed zero. Like, you know, that with a lot of confidence, if you're holding onto the post, uh, simulate your tree at a hundred, you're, you're, you're dead on. That's going to be a dead deer. 10 out of 10, 200, probably 9.5 out of 10. Now, if you're trying to hold on that post and take that shot at 300, is that feasible? You know, is that something that's within your wheelhouse? And it's something we always talk about, but I mean, I've, I've missed shots on deer. I've wounded deer. I know you have as well. It's one of those things. Like if we would do more preparation on the front end and shoot more in different scenarios, do we know like, okay, if I know if I'm shooting offhand to land in the prone that 250 is my max, because uh, I start becoming inconsistent after that. Or if I know that uh, if I'm resting on a tree limb or on a rock or whatever, that, 300 is my max. That's what we've got to do a better job of. And I know that I've been guilty of it in the past, but uh, I think it's, it's just something that's kind of universal. It is universal. And to that point, you know, we talked about this earlier this year. That was why we spent that, that time this off season building those targets. And I think, I think Evan told you, but we, we finished getting those up this past weekend while we were up there. So we now have um, not only steel targets, but also, be able to have paper targets that are on, you know, stands set in the ground where we'll be able to, you know, swap out uh, paper with, you know, tacked to plywood at 100, 200, 300, and 400 and take those different, you know, not only the, the different distances, but also those different style of shots and really, you know, get comfortable for my, this past weekend when, <clears throat> when I shot at 300, I didn't use the lead sled, just, you know, I was still on the porch, on the porch of the cabin shooting at 300, which, you know, is, is a shot we've all done multiple times at this point. So it's relatively, you know, comfortable. But um, now that we have those targets in place, we have a system in place, hopefully one of these days, maybe the price of ammo will start to go down a little bit, return to normal, and we can start really being more diligent about practicing those those different scenarios, those different shots at those different distances. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, speaking of the price of ammo, I kind of made the decision this year. I overpaid for some ammo, but I decided that, like, I just wanted to go ahead and make sure I got it. Uh, I got it off Gunbroker. I just bought a 6.5 Creedmoor, just jumped on that bandwagon. You know, I, I figured it made sense to just go ahead and get it and have enough that I knew I was going to be comfortable and then I could shoot as much as I wanted to with this new rifle and this new setup to ensure that, like, I can, because, like, the whole reason of me getting the setup that I have now was to be able to reach out and shoot, extend my range from basically where I'm comfortable now with the 270s, 300, and then uh, it's really 400, even 500. Uh, 400, I, I feel fairly comfortable with just a few shots, but 500 and then is where I'd like to get to um, just with hunting out west with the extended range. But I got a lot of work to get there, and that's why I decided I needed to, to get the extra ammunition, and even if it meant overpaying a little bit, I was just going to go ahead and do it. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you never know. Prices can always go up, and um, it, it's not worth you, – you you never want to have the, the price of the ammo like be the reason that you don't get the practice in, the reps in that you need to do, which could then ultimately lead to a failed hunt. Like, 
if that's if that's going on in your head, that's not a good place to be. So definitely, definitely, you know, it's good to have it on hand. But yeah, man, we're coming up on a, just over an hour now, so I think uh, I think this will wrap us up uh, for today. It's a good kind of getting back into it uh, podcast. We'll definitely put up some more listener questions. I'm stoked. It'll be the first podcast me and you have done in person since the first one. Is that the yeah. case? I think I think that is the case, actually. Yeah. So in September, when you come, we'll do a probably do a pre-hunt one and maybe a hopefully a post-successful hunt one, telling some stories. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm really really stoked uh, for you you and the old lady to get to Colorado and meet the new the newest member of the family and toss back a few beers and hopefully kill some antelope. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I'm I'm absolutely jacked up for it. I can't wait to get out there. Come see the little dude, smother him with some some pampering and some spoilage for a little while, and then get out of there and try to go get one of them speed goats down. You can probably hear him crying right now. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's getting after it. He's hungry. Nice. I got to get down there and feed him a second bottle. Uh, but Good deal, man. Go be a dad. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. They just hand you these things when at the hospital. Did you know that? It's pretty yeah. wild. Yep. Found out twice. It's weird. A, it's harder to buy a beer than it is to take a kid home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, appreciate the hell out of every single one of y'all that's been listening and putting up with us and dealing with uh, the turmoil of uh, some inconsistencies over the past few weeks. I really appreciate it. Everybody that ordered stuff that had to deal with the delays, I apologize. I just, Caroline really wasn't able to to get the orders out um, after, you know, with the kid and everything while I was gone. So, we had a couple week delay there, but everything is out and current now, and we should be back on top of uh, all the orders going forward. So back to the uh, three day to ship. Uh, but with me leaving for hunts and stuff, there'll be a few more delays going forward. But just kind of the nature of it. But we we appreciate everybody's patience. Um, we've got a ton of new stuff in the works. I talked a little bit about it on Tuesday tips. We've got tumblers, koozies, um, potentially a couple coolers. We've got a bunch of new uh, merchandise as far as apparel goes. Uh, we've got more women's line coming out. We've got more men's. We've got restocks. So we've got a ton of stuff in the works. Uh, there are some back orders due to COVID still. We're still uh, seeing the lasting effects from all that. But uh, all in all, it's going to be great. It's going to be an awesome fall. I'm really excited. Look for the release. Probably going to be late October, early November. At this point, we were shooting for uh, first of October, but I don't think that's going to line up. So, uh, but yeah, so first of November, somewhere in there, we'll see the the new drop. But uh, as always, we appreciate the hell out of all you guys. We can't say that enough. We wouldn't be where we're at today without the support. So thank you guys so much.